So I thought I would stand here today and, um, and just share something with you that has been um, on my heart, especially as I think about today and our annual meeting um, happening after the service. Um, so uh, there's been a lot of interest in what we're doing here at St. Peter's, um, as many of you know or may not know. Um, I came here in October with a group of about 20 people from my former church, and we joined the group of about 20 here at St. Peter's as part of um, this, this vision for the revitalization of the church and hopefully one day church planting across our diocese. So um, Jen McGuire, who's a member of the vestry and her background's in PR, and um, she wanted to put out a press release, and I was like, is this really newsworthy news? And because I don't like publicity. Um, and she was like, you know, you're the first Asian American woman um, priest here. And you know, we, wanna, we just want to put it out there and be able to kind of draw attention to what, to what um, is happening. So I agreed to it, thinking that nobody would be interested. Um, and sure enough, there were people who were interested. So there were a couple of news stations, a couple of new, local newspapers wanted to talk and have interviews. And, um, and uh, you know, it's... I don't like, I, again, like I don't like publicity. I don't feel like I'm that good at it. Um, but I was forced to have to learn how to talk about what's happening here. So they um, would often ask me um, very similar questions. Um, and one of the questions that they would ask is they would say, what is your plan to grow the church? And as I pondered that question, um, I felt like they were asking the wrong question. I can understand why they'd ask that question. But what I would tell them is I would say, um, I think um, in order to grow the church, the focus should not be about growing the church. The focus should be on the health of the church because I believe that healthy things grow. And if you focus on growth, then what you're going to focus on is you're going to focus on how do we get more people into our doors? You know, it becomes this very consumeristic thing. But if we focus on health, we can trust that healthy things grow, and not just grow, but multiply. So it's a little bit more like gardening than anything else. It's like, how do we create the healthy conditions in which growth can happen? We can't control growth in the same way that farmers can't control the growth. But what they can do, or farmers and gardeners, they can, when there's weeds, you got to pull them up. Um, if maybe you have, you, know, you plant seeds, I don't know, I'm not a farmer, so I don't know, but you know, you plant seeds, maybe you order things in rows so that things don't get too close together. You know, you attend to the soil and say like, how do we make the soil healthier? You know, you add fertilizer, um, all of that. And so I've been thinking more about health and thinking about it in three primary ways. How do we help St. Peter's to grow healthy spiritually, healthy organizationally, and healthy financially? And um, at our annual meeting, we'll talk a little bit more about organizational and financial. But um, in this uh, short time that I have, I wanted to talk about spiritual health. What does it mean for St. Peter's to be a spiritually healthy community? And that's something that we'll unpack over the course of the year. But today, I want to focus on and what I feel like is like the starting point for spiritual health. Now, you have all heard me say um, this window behind me, um, which normally houses a really beautiful stained glass window of Jesus calling the first disciples, um, Simon and Andrew, and saying to them, underneath it says, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And I have felt that that window, in many ways, represents what is the identity and the call of St. Peter's Church. St. Peter's Church, Chelsea, is a church that is called to know, love, and follow Jesus 
in Jesus' mission in renewing all things in Christ. And to be fishers of not just men, but fishers of all people, to invite people into that beautiful vision of God's renewal of all things, of our communities, of our families, of our world. The thing is, is that we cannot follow Jesus if we are encumbered. You know, if there are things that are holding us back, you know, if there are um, weights in our lives, or maybe we're holding on to something else, because following Jesus is ultimately an adventure. And what I believe Jesus wants for us, there's a a passage in John where it says, um, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. And the life abundant that Christ extends to us is ultimately a call to freedom. You know, freedom to follow him, freedom to love God, to love our neighbor, to love ourselves, to love our world, to love what God is doing. And so what Jesus cares most about is our freedom. You know, what's holding us back from that abundant life? And so in our gospel passage, you'll notice that um, Peter and Andrew and the other disciples, it says that immediately they left their nets or immediately they left their boats. And it's not so much saying like, okay, so if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to quit your job and then you got to go become a missionary. That's, that's not what the point of that passage is, but it's what does those, what do the nets and the boats represent? And maybe it represents security. You know, whether that's financial security or security in this is the way things have always been. And if they change, you know, there's fear and anxiety that's there. Maybe the nets and the boats are some vision that you have for your life or some dream that you've been holding on to. You know, maybe the nets and the boats are um, some struggle that you have, um, something that, that holds you back from freedom. Like for me... Um, as uh, many of you know, I had been thinking and praying about this vision for church revitalization and planting for several years. And I'd always been captured by um, the passage at the very end of the Bible, Revelations 22, that talks about the river of life flowing from the throne of God into the streets of the city. And it talks about how these beautiful trees are springing up as a result, and there's fruit that's born there. And it says that the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. And I just had this sense that like, that is what God is doing in our city. That's what God's doing here at St. Peter's now. But this is, you know, a couple years ago. And um, so I had always had this vision of this river. And despite my own resistance, I was feeling like I was getting caught up in this river and just, it was sort of flowing in a certain direction. And I was resisting. So I invited a few friends of mine to come and to pray with me about this. And as I was talking about this, I was, I was talking about the story of Peter stepping out of the boat and how that's been a very meaningful passage for me in my call to the priesthood. And as I was talking about it, I started getting kind of choked up. So my friend, Jen, who's a very spiritually sensitive person, she said, well, she's like, I'm, I'm noticing there's a lot of emotion around this for you. Like, why don't we just spend some time in, in silence and in listening and, and in prayer? And, you know, you've talked a lot about feeling like you're getting caught up in this river. You know, why don't we listen specifically around um, where is Jesus in relationship to this river? And we closed our eyes and had a moment of silence. And immediately in my mind... I see myself there in this river, and then I see Jesus, and he's in a canoe, and he's canoeing down this river. And in the same way that in the story of Peter stepping out of the boat, Jesus extends his hand to Peter and says, come. I see Jesus in this canoe extending his hand out to me and saying, come. And as I reflected on that passage, I said, 
Well, in the first story of Peter stepping out of the boat, it's like Peter's the one in the boat and Jesus is out on the water and he's calling me to step out and to come to him. But in this vision, it's flipped. Like Jesus is inside of the boat, I'm in the river, and he's calling me to get inside of the boat. And what I felt at that moment was not Jesus saying, okay, Christine, this is what you're going to do. Eventually, you're going to be going to this church called St. Peter's. You know, I didn't see, I had no idea what was going to happen after that point. But what I sensed is that Jesus was saying to me, Christine, you have, your resistance comes because you're afraid. You feel inadequate. You feel insecure. You feel like, who am I to do this kind of work? Other people are better, more gifted than I. Other people are smarter than I am. You know, other people are more like alpha male-ish than I am to to lead this kind of of a ministry. And he was saying to me, Christine, let that go. You know, put that behind you and just say yes to me and get inside of this boat and trust that I know where this boat is going. You may not be able to see it, but this is my boat. It's my river. And, you know, maybe we'll be going down the boat and I'll turn a hard left suddenly in some unexpected way. You know, or maybe we'll be going down for a little while and then we turn a hard, hard right. You know, but can you trust me and just say yes when I say come, you know, follow me? So we can't follow Jesus if we're, if we're encumbered by these things that we hold on to. And those things are not bad things necessarily. But we have to be aware of them and just ask ourselves, is there something holding me back from that spiritual freedom that Jesus wants to invite me into? And the other piece of this, in this following of Jesus, is that we can't follow Jesus if we don't know him and trust him. So um, before I say what I'm about to say, I just want to um, put a caveat by saying that um, I'm not equating myself with Jesus in this example I'm going to give, but I think of the 20 people who came with me from All Angels. I think I can safely say that they would not have followed me here to St. Peter's if they didn't know me and trust me. But these are people who have been with me. You know, we've had conversation. We've prayed together. Uh, You know, we've served together. They know me. There's no way they would have come with me if they didn't know me and trust me. And that's not to say that I'm perfect and that I will always do everything perfect. I will certainly make mistakes, and I have made many mistakes in the course of my life in ministry. Um, But knowing and trusting the one that you're following is absolutely critical. And that's a lifelong journey. You know, we don't suddenly just trust and know and love Jesus like all in one moment perfectly. It's a lifelong journey. But it's something for us to reflect on, especially as we um, start Lent in a few weeks. Like, how am I growing in, in knowing Jesus? How am I growing in trusting Jesus? What's holding me back? What, what is causing me to, to feel anxious? You know, maybe I'm like, Jesus, I don't know where you're going to take me. You know, I don't know what the road is ahead. You know, can I trust Jesus with my life, with my person, with those that I love? So it's freedom that he wants us to call us into. So my sense is that in this upcoming year, in 2020, that our call is to follow Jesus. But first, we have to look at what is holding us back, what's encumbering us. And you'll hear more about this in the weeks leading up to Lent. But um, as I was praying about this, this word came into my mind of like, what is our kind of rallying cry right now? And the word that came into my mind was um, declutter. We need to declutter Physically, this building and the building next door, there's a lot of just like junk and clutter around. But we need to declutter 
physically as well as spiritually, our hearts so that we can be free to follow Jesus. There's this great um, parable, it's called My Heart Christ's Home. And it's this metaphor of a person who's um, envisioning their, their house as being their heart. There's all these different rooms. There are these closets with like stuff that's been locked away for many years, maybe stuff that we don't want people to see. And this person is inviting Jesus into their heart, inviting Jesus to come and dwell, live in, in his home with him. And as he's taking, you know, Jesus around to different rooms, he'll be like, okay, no, Jesus, you can't go into this room. Um, yeah, that's, that's sealed off. Okay, no, you can't go into this room either. That's sealed off. No, don't open that closet. And in so many ways, you know, that's what we're like when it comes to our own hearts and lives. Like we want to block off certain rooms of our lives from Jesus. And I really believe that this is a season where as, an individ- as individuals and as a church, you know, that we begin to allow Jesus to enter into more and more of the rooms of our heart's home. One really just kind of practical um, way that you can start this journey is on February 22nd, which is a Saturday from 9 to 1. And then if anybody wants to stay after to keep doing this, they can. Um, We're going to have... I, don't, I have to come up with a cool name for it, but it's basically going to be a decluttering and cleaning retreat. So we're going to work and pray. And as Anglicans, as Episcopalians, we believe in the sacraments. The sacraments are an outward and visible sign of inward and spiritual grace. And in the same way that as we clean, as we declutter, we're going to have an opportunity to just reflect on what is decluttering my life? Where has maybe grime just kind of allowed it just sort of build up over my heart? Or, you know, or maybe it's... um, yeah, gotten hardened in some way. You know, maybe where are some spaces in my life that I need to clean out so that I can let new life come in and enter in in Easter in the joy of Christ's resurrection. And so Lent, sometimes people call it spring cleaning for the soul. And so what this retreat will do is it'll help us reflect on, okay, what are, what are some of the things I need to give up? Maybe it's not caffeine. Maybe it's... um the approval of people. I don't know, maybe it's not chocolate. Maybe it's I need to watch what I say and not be so negative about people. You know, maybe things like that. So we want to create space to do that. So what do we as a church need to let go of so that we can follow Christ more easily? And, you know, I don't begin to um, try to say that that's an easy process or that we know everything right now. But I think that as we begin to say yes to Jesus and to that invitation to follow him, that we will then begin to really experience the freedom and honestly the fun of what it means to follow him into this adventure of making all things new in Christ. So I just join you to um, ask you to join me in bowing our heads and I'll say a prayer for us in this. God, we are grateful that you are the kind of God who doesn't do everything yourself, but that you invite us to join you and follow you in the good things that you are doing, in renewing our world, in bringing your healing and your freedom and your grace and your, and your truth to our lives and to our communities. God, we um, pray, would you, by your spirit, give us grace um, to hear um, where are those places in our lives that we need to become unencumbered, where we need to let go so that we can follow you into the freedom of the children of God. Um, God, have grace on us. Help us that even as our own hearts may be closed off to you, we pray, would you give us the desire to desire you or the desire to desire to follow you? God, we need you. 
Um, we love you and we fix our eyes on you this day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you stand with me as we affirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed? 